You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. This episode, we'll be talking about Cheap Trick live at Budokan. Uh, on the line, I have Rob. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Ben. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Kyle. Uh, come on, come on. And Solange. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Cheap Trick at Budokan <laughs> is a live album released by Cheap Trick October 8th, 1978 in Japan and February 1979 in the U.S. on the Epic label. Uh, The producer was Cheap Trick. I'm going to read from the book, Jim Harrington. It took a trip across the Pacific for Cheap Trick to become megastars at home. While while garnering only moderate success in the United States with its first three records, the quartet managed to generate Beatlemania-type frenzy during its 1978 Japan tour. With the document of that tour at Budokan, the band took the seeds sown on earlier records the carefully constructed pop melodies and heavyweight hooks and watered them with a kinetic stage energy learned from pulling 200 dates annually. In short, Cheap Trick provided a textbook in power pop, one that continues to influence noise pop bands today. The cover, a live shot of vocalist Robin Zander and the bassist Tom Peterson was a smart marketing move, putting the pretty boys in front to attract young female buyers. But it was also deceiving since it is the talented, though less photogenic twosome of guitarist Rick Nielsen and drummer Bunny Carlos that really made this album sale. Uh, At Budokan remained on the charts for over a year and sold more than three million copies. The group would later achieve success in the studio, quickly releasing the 1979 hit Dream Police but it would never again reach the heights found at Budokan Arena. All right, what do we think of Cheap Trick live at Budokan? Woo! Hey, masterpiece. Oh, so cool. This is an amazing album. Seriously. Great live amazing. album. So cool. I hate live albums. I think they're so distracting because it's because I can't oh, no, deal. No. It's no, it's not that. It's not it's not because like, you know, like there's too much guitar work. It's like the ah! like I can't deal with the ah! Wish live albums just more cut that out. <laughs> Is it just the cheering that throws you off? Yeah, I can't. The the like people like cheering fucks me up. Like I can't. Like it just distracts me from like enjoying it because I'm like, Shh. I'm like want to be like, Shh. stop talking. I'm listening now. Um, but this was so good. It was so good. Such a good album. There's cer- there's certain bands, Cheap Trick being one of them that just their presence together at a live is a live act is greater than the, the sum of its parts that could be captured on a, on a, a studio disc. Like there's a reason that 
the version of I want you to want me that you know, the one that you're thinking of right now is from the live album. Like the, the, the radio never plays the, the studio version of I want you to want me. It sounds weird if you're used to, if you're used to this mm-hmm. one, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They really amped it up on the, the live recording. It sounds crisp. Um, also, they, they said that this wasn't, there weren't overdubs. There were a few, um, fill-ins for bass parts that he wasn't near a microphone or the, he wasn't near a microphone. So they they added a minimal amount, and most of this is just straight live recordings um, of them uh, in in Tokyo and Japan. I thought it was power pop out the out the stadium. I mean, this feels like you're there. They they are fucking tour hardened like. Yeah. as tight as a band can get and it yeah mm-hmm. just, just fucking exploded in japan because of it so dang good like my first introduction to this record was uh kyle you'll be happy to know uh dave peterson in the seventh grade made me a mixtape and it had uh, it had the this version of surrender on it okay and that was my, my first introduction to cheap trick and yeah man like they've taken what alex chilton was doing and just elevated the power pop like Mm-hmm. This is this is the album that launched a thousand like rowdy pop bands, and oh totally so fucking good, yeah, so good. That's awesome, dude. Um, the first time I heard a track off this was um, uh, the soundtrack to Detroit Rock City, the Kiss <laughs> movie with uh, yeah. Edward Furlong. Yeah, <laughs> yes. It had it had the live track Surrender on it. Um, and I feel like a chump because I've had this record on my shelf for like 20 years <laughs> never listened to it what i always thought it was a double bitch. record <laughs> i always thought it was a double record because you know it's a gatefold and there's there's no record there i, I thought there were two <laughs> but then but then i saw there was that like late 90s re-release that, that was a double album, album. Yeah. and it's, uh, i was it's fucking awesome also, you guys check that out yeah, man. Like, I don't know if you've fallen down the same YouTube rabbit holes that I have, like with this like live stuff. But all twenty tracks are up on YouTube of them playing it live, and it's wow. so fucking good. It's so good. I believe it. Um, like, th- this is the second yeah uh, every the second live record we've done where yeah, Kyle, both you and I agree that like you know like live rust would have been preferred in the in the book. Um, I I don't know if I would sure. have gone all in with uh, at Budokan all 19, 20 tracks, but it's a lot. I mean, it's, it's, it's cool to have, again, it's cool to have these documents now that exist for that. You can see and interact with the end. Yeah. Well, it made me kind of, there was this cure live album. I was really into, um, uh, it was a live record from like 93, but it opened with open and it ended with N. And I was like, what a great live record. And then I heard this one and I was like, <laughs> Oh, okay. (laughs) You know, like this is, they pretty much walk you through a set list, like, and it's perfect. I was just going to say, like, I I think this really kind of makes me rethink what I think about with live albums because it sounds so tight. And like the fact that it's all live recording is so impressive, almost all live recording. It's really impressive because it sounds so tight, but so like, they are really working it. Like they, I bet they give a really good show because this is so tight. Like this is so like bombastic. They, um, they really put like the effort into it. And like, a, even as a touring band, like you said, Rob, cause like that can take a lot out of you. And 
man, there are some people who they just like don't give a shit when they play, but there are some people that they give you your money's worth. And it's so wild how short this album is. And it makes me like, I didn't even like look more into it, but I'm like curious if this is the whole set list for Budokan. It's not. It is. It's uh, no, it's, it was a long show. Okay. Yeah, it was a much longer show, but you can feel the energy from from sort of the beginning songs, even yeah you know there's no there's no drop in the energy which is that's pretty astounding uh because they're playing the the encore is the encore the you know the second to last mm-hmm. song is is the second to last song so it's uh, you are hearing th- those things i do want to mention that you know at this time they were touring japan 1978 i had no idea they were so big in japan people were yelling at them from the street you know recognizing them they were huge. They were like Beatlemania over there. Whoa. I just I couldn't that understand yeah. that. Might be like one of the origin stories of the big in Japan trope. Yeah, they absolutely yeah. are. Okay, so we're we're talking Spinal Tap, but what was I was, what about was that to band? Say. <laughs> this band that um made a, made a documentary about because they were the luck, and then they went to Japan at the end. Uh, Anvil. 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 Yeah. yeah, they had that song. Uh, um, toe cuffs or something. Toe hang. Yeah. Yep. Don't hang. <laughs> yeah, it's just I love that Japan trope that there's, you know. <laughs> yeah, that the, March of the Crabs. Uh, there's there's different places yeah. that you can break through in the in the world. I mean, at, at a time, uh, I'm sure you you've experienced this, you know, anybody being in a band that sometimes you'll get a couple, you know, more record sales from one place than you do from other places. Um, you know, it's it's like someone gets a record oh, Don't and I know they, it? And then they spread it around to other people. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, all of a sudden you have like a small following at, in, in different places. I mean, you guys were always did well in Indianapolis. <laughs> really big in Indianapolis, guys. <laughs> you go to Fountain Square. Oh, my God. Is that... <laughs> <laughs> They were greeted at the at the um, airport with five thousand screaming fans. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, that's fucking insane. Cheap trick. You know, we we think of I these know. goofy guys, and they had broken through to the to the market um, over there w- when everyone was ignoring them over here. Uh, another thing I did want to mention that in Japan, CBS Sony was split into two companies, so they decided that every time a ban. On Epic or Columbia came over, they would actually record the show and put out a series of live uh, Budokan albums. Bob Dylan and Cheap Trick were the first albums they released, so I think that wow. is one of the the reasons too that this this kind of has a mystique because it is you know one of the first uh, at Budokan albums yeah. you know ever ever that released. Is- that's a cool concept. I didn't like it actually explains why when I searched live at Budokan, I'm like, I'll find this in five seconds. I've never heard of Budokan. <laughs> and then I saw all these other artists and I'm like, what the 
what? Yeah, there's tw- that's, 20 that's to 50. A, yeah. And then Dream Theater. And I'm like, that's not what I want at all. I kind of want uh, that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's, a, that's, such, that's such a cool, uh, such a cool concept to have like a concert, like a, like a, I don't want to say digital because that's not accurate, but like a remote concert series, you know, like you missed them here, catch them like at home, you know, what a cool marketing gimmick, you know? How was what we're what is in our cans right now not appealing to the like U.S. audience? Ah, oh, big eyes. This hit. Need like, your love, the, big what, eyes. What the fuck? I mean, I, I guess Big Star never did anything either, so never mind. I retract. I retract my <laughs> my question. Ben, please tell me more of your feelings. I was gonna say. Uh, uh, speaking of marketing gimmicks, do you guys know how Cheap Trick got their name? No. No. Uh, they. Well, early in the days of the band, they went to go see a Slade concert and they loved it. And they were talking about it like after the show and Tom Peterson, the bass player talked about how Slade pulled out every cheap trick in the book during their show. Ooh, that's cool. And, I love it. Yeah. That's a good nugget, it. bro. Tasty. Also, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the, the very, very good uh, Buck Owens and the Buckaroos live in Japan album uh, from the 60s. Oh, I bet that it's good. Uh, so it's it's fantastic. The playing's great. Uh, Buck's great. The crowd's great. But what's kind of funny about it is in between songs, Buck speaking English to the crowd, though very slowly, so so they could understand it. Uh, and, oh. <laughs> uh, Big ice. Oh, but I, I would say it sounds from what I can hear. Robin Zander's his interactions with the crowd. It seems like he, he's really able to like telegraph. I'm sure like. Like it's like I need your love and big eyes are pretty easy to telegraph to a crowd that already likes your music, but it seems like he's he does a decent job in in between the songs. He gets good response. Yeah, he was told to do that. He was told to speak slowly so that the crowd could understand, uh, you know, the the song titles and in him speaking. So that he intentionally did that, and that's so amazing because I mean, every time I hear the next song is on our new album and it, it sounds very slow. Yeah. I always thought it sounded unnatural um, when you hear it on this album. And of course, famously it's on, I think Paul's or Paul's boutique or check your head. One of the beastie boy albums. Uh, it, it, it sounds like he is, he, he is speaking slowly, but obviously he's doing that for the audience. It's not because he's, uh, I don't. I just I thought he sounded kind of tired. Like, like I didn't. I actually didn't think it. I didn't think it sounded that unnatural. I thought he's this guy's like. I literally thought this guy was like putting on such such a show that when he's like, "All right, this is our next song, surrender." I was like, "Damn, this dude is he's killing." It. Robin Zander doesn't strike <laughs> me as a very sleepy individual. No, they were definitely not sleepy. They had an audience of twelve thousand. Uh, and it was recorded at Tokyo April 28th and 30th. I did think it was interesting, too, that this obviously broke them into the U.S. market because it got an imp- it got 30,000 imported copies in the United States before it was ever released. Wow. So, wow. so it, was it was originally a Japan only intended for it was just mm, yeah. the Japanese market. Mm-hmm. And we lucked out because this album fucks. Yeah, it got hyped, hype and. After that, I really like the. I guess also speaking of marketing gimmicks, the thing it's not just this album. A whole string of albums. Uh, uh, this one, uh, in color, heaven tonight, 
not dream police, but they do the thing uh -oh. where they, they put the, they put the two pretty guys on the front <laughs> and, you know, for, for, for the tiger beat scene. But then you turn it around and you've got these weird looking dudes like, uh, like Rick, Rick Nielsen's got a style all of his own, like a, 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 a atomic nerd, yeah, you know, atomic nerd. And that, that guy on the right and then looks, Bunny like, Carlos what's that looks like he does your taxes. You know, like, mm -hmm. he doesn't. Oh no, he looks like uh, that serial killer guy. Oh, Ed oh, he does look like Gacy. Oh. <laughs> he does look like a little think, bit like John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. Oh god, I think this guy plays an apple core. But uh, so, <laughs> so it's almost like like he, he, the guys on the front, yeah, 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 they grab the attention, but then the guys in the back, uh, it, they're intriguing. You're like, what are these guys up to? <laughs> You know. Come for the party, stay no for the breakfast. I, I don't know. I was trying to make that sound dirtier. <laughs> I had the uh, I had the the privilege of being able to open up a cheap trick show when I was uh, when I was touring. Oh, really? That's so yes. cool. So I got to. I, I'm not asking. I'm not saying it for 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 your praise. But, ben, what uh, was it like? It was it was really cool. I got to watch it from side stage uh, and uh, on on Rick Nielsen's side and just watching him. He's such a good player and he's so tight, but he's also up there just kind of hamming it up. Like he's got, he's got cheap tricks oh, yeah. that'll do. <laughs> One of my favorite things, he's got his own guitar pick. They have a picture of his face on him and, and he's got all <gasps> this pockets full of them. And so sometimes he'll, he'll like reach into his pocket. He'll just grab, grab a whole handful of guitar picks and then do like a Chuck Berry, like duck walk across the stage, but keep his hand <laughs> loose. So every time he hits it, just like, Guitar picks just hemorrhage out of it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. During one of the songs, I was getting way into it side stage. And I was like amped up and excited. And he caught my eye. He came over and just a handful of guitar picks at me. <laughs> Stop all that. Is he trying to blind you? Like a Rip Taylor bit. <laughs> That's awesome. uh, I do love you have a picture of him with his uh with the is it double necked or is it the five neck? It's, it, it's the five necked one. Yeah. The double neck one's cool because it looks like him and the two necks are his legs and then the body of it looks like him. But uh I I I got to hold the the five necked uh hammer. Yeah, he it's really cool. He has a yeah, I was going to bring that up since we won't talk about them again. Uh he has an extensive collection of guitars. He even released a book featuring some of the wackier models, um, some valued upwards of $100,000. He tours with more than 25, but really mm. only uses four or five. Also, he <laughs> is quoted as saying, uh, Hammer built, or sorry, Hammer built a guitar form with five necks, but he's quoted as saying, the guitar always gets more applause than I ever will. <laughs> so he pulls it out <laughs> and wow. people just cheer. He played it for the encore. Uh, he he but use it during the actual set. The more I learn about Cheap Trick, because I don't know a lot about Cheap Trick. I like them. I like, uh, I, don't, I wouldn't say like I'm a Cheap Trick fan, but like what I end up hearing is always good. And I'm deeply disappointed that Reach Out from Heavy Metal is actually not on a Cheap Trick album. But th Ooh. the more I learn about Cheap Trick, the more I'm like, we didn't deserve them as a band. And also kind of like shocked in terms of like the hamitude and the guitar thing. And the singer looks so... T I know he's like one of the handsomer ones, but he kind of looks freaky to me. I just kind of like shocked they didn't make it bigger, you know? Like, people kind of forgot about you. Have you ever heard the song? I'm, Have I'm you ever heard the song The Flame? Oh, yeah. Flame is okay, yeah, The Flame. Yeah, I The mean, Flame. That's um, a giant song. 
There was that song they did called like Wings of Desire, I think, off of uh, <laughs> yeah the Top Gun soundtrack, you, which you guys, which you guys they repurposed for Street questions. Fighter Two. And remember, I told you I'd never heard a Genesis hit, and you're like, you've heard this hit, you've heard this song, and then you played it for me. I'm like, I don't know what this song is. Like, I like y'all assume these things about me, but it was I invisible touch. I didn't hear Hall and Oates until touch. I was like 21. No, none of us listen to Hollow Notes seriously until we're 21, so we're right there with you. I wasn't I'm listening just to saying, it seriously. I just had like never heard a Hollow Notes song. Oh, fine. Cheap Trick was just a band. I was like, I don't know what kind of a, a band this is. Like, their songs that I heard sounded so disparate. Uh, Solange yeah. off the heavy metal soundtrack, uh, they have a song called, um, I think it's You Must Be Dreaming." Yeah. Have you guys heard that song? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It is rad. It is baffling. I was like, what's going on, They're- Cheap Trick? They're such a weird band for me because they fit in a weird space in my head. Right now they're playing uh, Ain't That a Shame, but at the same time they do power pop and then on some of the later, like Woke Up With a Monster is almost metal grunge. So they they span this wide gamut of songs and it it's really just, I feel like they just want to be a tight band that plays rock and roll and then whatever strikes their fancy uh, through the through yeah. the eras, I, they're, they're kind of uh, they they adapt to that thing. Mm-hmm. I almost want to call it arena rock. Hearing them live, I was like, whoa, this is like how cheap tricks should be listened to and how it should should be performed is like this. Like it like I said, like I don't like live albums, but this really made me rethink like my relationship with them because they sound so good and they sound so like so right almost you know like this is almost like how you should be listening to them you know and i I also like another person i feel that way about which we'll get to very soon is gary newman like i saw gary newman live and like hearing the songs i love by him live was so different and like so cool because you know i'm never gonna hear it that way again solange i'm telling you likely the only version of i want you to want me you know is this live one no it is no, I, yeah. it is. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, it is. Certified triple platinum, 1986. Well deserved, though. Hell yeah, mm-hmm. man! Completely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Completely. I had read that the recording at Budokan was actually a technical recording failure, and what we're hearing is the Osaka show. Yes. Mm. Correct. Oh my god! Explains why the crowd is so like lively. But I don't. I don't know how what you guys know of Japanese culture, but. Osaka is like the most, uh, the more like, I've heard the Chicago of Japan. Very humorous. <laughs> Did you say Osaka? Yeah, that's how you say it. Oh, no. I when I was in Osaka, I just it. called it Osaka. And, and the nice people of Osaka were just like, all right, buddy. Okay, but it's they're Osaka. very polite. We don't want to they're, correct you. They're very polite. Wait, which is it? They're, 
I, I think it's Osaka, but I, I don't know. Uh, that That's one of the funnest cities I've ever been to. And yeah, I guess it is kind of a, it's, it's the, yeah, it is more like a Chicago to uh, Tokyo's New York. Zang. So <laughs> is it called by the Budokan because it's part of the Budokan series that they had already committed to doing? That is correct. Um, also, it was a historic mm. event because uh, Budokan was sort of a sacred place. Yeah, they didn't want bands performing there. Uh, and so this was a new endeavor that they uh, that Budokan had recently sort of like opened up to to be uh, allowed to play. Yeah, what's your uh, fa- anybody got a favorite track on this uh, record, guys, gals, them they? Uh, let me see. You? What's your favorite track, Rob? Um, I'm a surrender boy personally. Um, I think that's the uh, that that's the one that doesn't get played on the radio, and I think it's actually a I, I think it's a better live cut than uh, I want you to want me. I want you to want me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So when when he says this this is the first song off our new record, uh, he's speaking of Heaven tonight. That album that surrender kicks off. Are you guys familiar mm-hmm. with that one? Nope. Yeah, that that album no. is fantastic. It's fucking awesome. I will tell you, like when I was listening to this yesterday, I was kind of like, mm, okay, well, this is going to be like fun, I guess. But when he, when they played surrender, like yeah. I was working and I could not stop myself. I was like straight up, like I was like singing along to surrender at my desk. And I was like, your mommy's all right. Your daddy's. I was like having a good time. I was, I was feeling it. Surrender is a, is a barn burner. It is perfect. Perfect song. Yeah. Only other thing that I would throw in is, uh, just for for Turbo Negro's sake, uh, Clock Strikes Ten. Uh, they steal that on uh, Age of Pamperius for Clock Strikes Twelve with the uh, little mm. chime thing on the guitar. Um, but yeah, I was I was just gonna say like um, something I really loved is how Hello There and Come On Come On like blend into each other like seamlessly. The boat like the times I was listening to this album yesterday and today, I tried to like find the uh, the thread, but I kept getting lost in both songs. So I definitely like couldn't find the thread for where they're actually connected. But those songs like just naturally really flowing into each other. I, I thought that was so cool. Yeah, they're pros for sure. I, I, I kind of feel like this band has like an everyman kind of. Oh, yeah. From, you know from, what I'm from Illinois. Yeah, especially when you put this back to back with the other records that we're listening to. I don't know if that's fair, but um, it is. Mm hmm. Yeah. I think it's fair. I think it's fair, definitely. Uh, cheap, cheap trick, you know. It, it, it's like like Illinois bar band made it, you know. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I can see that. They're definitely a very American band, which I think is so cool. I think mm-hmm. it's cool. They like they definitely to me scream Americana, and I I uh, I don't remember what I, I was going to say. Something like to the effect of like they are like an Americana band and I was really worried somebody would be like, well, they're English. And then I'd have to be like, too bad. They're ours. Now we claim them like surrender <laughs> to me. is like, that's one of those quintessentially like American songs written from the point of view of a 14 year old boy. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. <laughs> All right. I don't think I need to go around the room, right? Everybody's on the positive on this. It's one? so good, man. It's so yeah, fucking absolutely. Good. Absolutely. <laughs> I feel like a wiener for never having listened to this record. <laughs> yeah, I suck. I suck. I was ruining my life before these past two days. And uh, yeah, I learned my lesson. Now that record is is clean and you can uh, start ruining it by playing it every day. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Next time we'll be talking about Fleetwood Mac Tusk. All right. Thanks, y'all.